Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello then, welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm Andrew Musgrove and today joined by Lee Ryder and Chris Swarth. And it's that first day uh, in the international break. I can tell by your faces you're really excited by it. Um, of course, coming off the back of a 1-0 defeat as well to Bournemouth. Two in succession. I think that's one win in six. We're trying to make this a positive one. I'm sure we'll find some positives in a second. But Chris, I mean, first and foremost, what do you make of the result? It was a strange game, really, because first half, Newcastle were very good going forward, except putting the ball in the back of the net. Albeit this the Dwight Gale goal which was marginal at best if he was offside and um, he'd like to think he would give the, the benefit of the doubt to the attacker but it wasn't given and Newcastle wasteful in some respects unlucky you know as Begovic made a very good save early on from Richie to hit the post and yeah it was frustrating in that regard and then as the game wore on the stronger Bournemouth became I think the Jamal Sells injury disrupted Newcastle a little bit allowed Callum Wilson to get in for the chance he should really have scored and then the longer the game wore on, Newcastle just becoming almost second fiddle to everything Bournemouth did. Bournemouth grew in confidence and then that sucker punch goal at the end, albeit afterwards again, there was the foul on Dwight Gale which the referee amazingly missed, which is still very bizarre and Cook's come out and admitted after the game that he, he, he fouled him and, and he would have quite happily been sent off for it because he wanted to protect the lead for Bournemouth. But yeah, so it was a strange game, and I think for a neutral, actually, it would have been quite a good game to watch. Or that one team was very good, one half and the other, the other half. But frustrating in the manner in which they lost the game. But it was it, they paid for for missed chances in the first half. I don't think it was a terrible performance. Second half wasn't great, but I thought first half they played well, and it was really a case of missed opportunities. Lee missing them opportunities obviously played a key part in losing the game. But it's not really the first time this season where we've said this. You know that they do lack, you know, a clinical goal scorer. Well. I mean, it's it's something that I've done in today's paper. Basically, that you know, this has been in the post. You know, Newcastle were always going to have a, a period where they were they were going to struggle and they were going to struggle for confidence. They were going to struggle for goals because there's there's no sort of uh, depth in the squad. There's no one to to bring on who's the guarantee of goals. Um, you know, Josselu is doing his, his his very best. He's trying hard. He's working hard for the team. But he's just not taking the the opportunities that you need to take in the Premier League. He, he's had his fair share of of chances in the the last two games, but he's just not he's not really a proven finisher. So this is what's going to happen. And I think really you, you you can hark back to the summer transfer window where there was opportunities to sign players for that little bit of extra money. Um, Newcastle decided to try and save money, have the nice tidy balance sheets, and you know you, you fast forward to. November on these cold days in the Premier League and you're going to lose games like that 1-0 if you don't take your chances you're not going to win and then it leaves it open for uh, Bournemouth to, to go on and win which is exactly what they did so frustrating all round I think the crowd was sort of mixed response there were a few boos there's, I think there's some people who really understand what's going on 
there's people who are a bit older and a bit more experienced thinking, yep, typical Newcastle. Typical sort of uh, of the Mike Ashley era where they haven't spent money when they should have. And, you know, the, the end product is where they are on the table. And to be fair, they're, they're probably punching a little bit above the weight. And obviously not getting that strike in the summer. We'll maybe look at Tammy Abraham was was probably the key target. But a lot of people actually say on Twitter, a few people have said, actually, well, he did spend 12 million on Jacob Murphy. He has got Mitovic on the bench. So, I mean, is Rafa totally blameless in the, in the scenario finding himself in, Chris? Well, Jacob Murphy wasn't the player he wanted to bring in in terms of... I'm not saying he didn't want Jacob Murphy, but he wasn't the player he wanted to bring in to be someone who was going to be immediate Premier League performer. That was never the case with Jacob Murphy. So I think that one you can disregard in, in, in that element. I think the Mitrovic scenario... I, I found it strange that Rafa put him on the bench at the weekend to not bring him on. Um, you can argue Tosta whether he should have been on the bench in the first place. If he, if he has no intention of playing him, then do you necessarily need him on the bench? But... Mitrovic isn't Rafa Benitez's striker. What he didn't pick him in the first place. He wasn't the one he he, he wanted there. You, you get the feeling that over the last couple of windows, well, almost certainly if he'd had the opportunity to offload him and bring some an upgrade, and he would have done that. And he didn't get the strikers he wanted. People can say that he should have brought him on a Saturday, and if he was on the bench, possibly he should have done. But it's not like there is loads of depth there. The, the strikers in the squad between them have scored four goals this season, and I'm including Perez as a striker in that. It's not that. Newcastle have out and out top flight uh, proven goal scorer and experience there. It's Rafa's not entirely blameless. Look, Newcastle, any any manager is going to going to get some cop for it, and, and rightly so. But he's doing the, the level best with this squad, and they really are batting far above their average compared to where you would think they were. And it's all about fine margins. Newcastle shaded games against Swansea and Crystal Palace. They've lost the last two on, on, on fine margins as well, and I think that's going to be the case throughout, certainly until January, unless Newcastle can get an upgrade then. And sneaking in there's Mark, Mark Douglas. Uh, you can jump straight in, Mark. I mean, would you have played Mitovic on Saturday? Would you have brought him off the bench, personally? Uh, yeah, I would have, just because I feel like the game was kind of heading, heading in the direction which it ended up being in. You know, the, the, it felt a bit like the... The first half, obviously, Newcastle were really on top, but second half, the, the game was running away from Newcastle, and it might have just been it might have just been something that they could have, they could have done to maybe change the, the course of the game a little bit. But you know, Rafa knows his onions, and I'm sure the guys you know told you that. that yeah. For me, the, the the problem is that the, the Mitrovic situation is just it's just really it's almost like toxic, really, in some ways, because if he doesn't. You know, Newcastle haven't really looked like they're going to score in the last two games. And if you're not going to bring him off the bench, then there's not much point in having him there. Um, I would have brought him on, but I don't really understand. Well, I do understand why he's a kind of a kind of cool celebrity, if you will. He's a he's a he's a hero to to some Newcastle fans, and he has got the best uh, in terms of goals over the last two seasons. He's he's got ten Premier League goals as he in the last two years, which isn't brilliant, but it's probably better than. Um, the other guys in there I mean you know let's be honest he's not going to save Newcastle's season but he might do a cameo job off the bench a few times for Newcastle but I don't think you know Rafa Benitez is, is going to ever trust him so it just seems to me the best the best solution for all parties would be to sell him on reinvest the money in somebody Rafa actually wants Do you agree with that Liz? I mean do you see that his career is all but all of I mean, or can he work his way back into Rafa's good books? No I think he's he's gone. Uh, I think the minute I think to be totally honest, the, had Rafa been able to sell him in the summer, he, he'd have gone. I think it, to be totally honest, if he'd have been had an opportunity to sell him when they got relegated, he'd have been gone. But they couldn't get the money that they wanted for him. Um, they couldn't quite 
get the replacement in. If, if you, that's what we got to remember is, if you get rid of him for fifteen million, then how much are you going to pay to replace him? And I think that's part of the part of the problem is that yeah, you could sell him for fifteen million, but then you're going to need another ten million on top of that to replace him. And this board don't seem willing to do that. And there's a lot of for all the good Rafa Benitez has done at Newcastle, there's still a lot of issues, you know, behind the scenes that need to be resolved. And spending money is one of them. It's it's impossible to get them to to spend big amounts of money. They'll, they'll, you get so far, they'll give you so much money as a token gesture. But you you can't. Rafa wanted to take this team on a little bit further um, than he has, and he hasn't been able to do it. And the Mitrovic thing is is a problem. I, I agree, but it's. It, Certainly for me, it'd be highly unlikely he's got any future because Rafa Benitez just simply doesn't feel he's the man, and he'll he'll try and go with other options every time, and that's exactly what he did on on um, on Saturday. Is that down to trust issues like the West Ham incident, like the Spurs game when you know, Newcastle won five one, or is it just that is it ability? Is it he just doesn't fit into his formation? What do you think it is? That um, a bit of both, I think. Definitely trust issues. I think if you. If you look at his um, last sort of ten Premier League games, he's been sent off in that game against uh, who, who against Spurs. Spurs when he got the two goals. Uh, then there was a suspension of the West Ham with the, with the elbow. So, and there's a few things that have happened in games where he just hasn't done what he's been asked, and he's he's just not the man for Rafa Benitez. What more can you say? It's 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 um, it's a situation that needs to be resolved, but it'll only get resolved if. A bigger amount of money comes in into the transfer kitty to get that. You need a twenty-five million pound strike. It's you know, it, there's there's no two ways about it. If you want to to get wins, you need goals. If you want the goals, you've got to pay the money, and it's as simple as that. It'll be interesting, won't it, if Mitrovic does indeed go in January? Because a lot of fans do like him. He has got this kind of cult status, this hero status. So the balance between how the fans feel now, Rafa feels. I mean, I suppose though, because it's only one man, it's one man's decision, isn't it? It's, it's, it's Rafa's choice. Yeah, it is Rafa's choice. And, and when Lee talks about trust, I think it's trust over two things. I think he got the discipline. He's, he doesn't believe that, that Mitrovic can be trusted in that regard, but also in terms of carrying out a game plan. Hosselu, a lot of fans are question why he's in the team. When Benitez asks him to do a specific role, yes, he may not be finishing in front of goal but what he does is he works very hard he plays the system he links in well with Perez and he does exactly as Benitez asked him to do Benitez isn't sure that Mitrovic can do that when he's asked him to do things in the past that hasn't happened and if in January it comes to it yes some fans probably will be annoyed but I suppose it would be who Newcastle could bring in if but as Lee says the only likelihood is Mitrovic will go if there's going to be a replacement because you can't only have two three strikers if you include Jose Perez in the Premier League squad albeit if, if none of them are scoring many goals you, you at least need people to be able to play there so if Benitez is going to let him go in January you would assume there's going to be a, a decent replacement lined up and hopefully therefore you'd be able to justify in that regard but I mean the, the decisions Benitez has made so far the vast majority of them have been extremely successful so I think fans would really get behind it if he did decide to sell them. And Mark I mean does that takeover situation puts a bit of a question mark over Rafa being able to maybe bring in a, a new striker in January because if you're late Charlie and you're I mean you, you, he's watching the games you, you must see the same that we do that there isn't a good enough striker out there but how much money will Mike actually stum up if he's still in charge? Well, I think it'll be a kind of limited budget. It'll probably be the amount that the Premier League TV deal gives you um, and whatever that the Rafa made in the final days of the window, which obviously he didn't spend 
which isn't going to be a lot, you know. But so the, the, I think he probably wheel and deal and try and do a, a loan, try and do a loan, you know. Try. I mean, Danny Ings is one I think that, that you know they've been interested in before. I mean, it'd be a bit of a, it'd be a big um, gamble in some ways because obviously he's injury uh, concerns over over a couple of over a couple of seasons now for Danny Ings as well. But I just think I just think the situation. This is you know with, with Mitrovic and with with Benitez. You know, I know a lot of people are kind of asking, and I I completely agree because. You know, look, Mitrovic is going to score. If you play Mitrovic and Hosselu up front for ten games, you know who who's going to score more goals if you give them the the start? Probably Mitrovic. But are Newcastle then going to change their shape and maybe not be quite as good defensively as they have been? And that's the question mark you've got to give. You know, look, we were all sat here two three weeks ago praising the way that Benitez has set the team up to to cope with um, the, what the Premier League's kind of thrown at them. And you can't just you can't be too knee jerk in terms of how you react. I know, look, you know the, the frustration over the last week is is, is obvious, you know, and, and I understand that. And everybody wants to see Newcastle United scoring goals, winning games, and and entertaining and things. But you've got to take a, a bit. You've got to take the bigger picture view. You know, we were all invested in this Rafa Benitez project, if you will. You know, like we're obviously journalists, and, and it's not we're not we're not sitting here as fans, but. This is, you know, this is what Newcastle United are, are kind of. On, they're on this journey. You know, we've all kind of spoken so highly about Rafa and stuff, and, and you know, it was it was kind of a pipe dream to think that there wasn't going to be decisions along the way. He's, he's, his track record is that he will make. He will be quite stubborn, and he will make decisions that you know not everybody agrees with. And, and you have to kind of accept that for all the good of Rafa Benitez, there's going to be times when he's not going to take the decision that's probably the crowd pleasing decision. We were talking about it earlier, Steve McLaren sometimes did react to what he thought would go down well with supporters and actually sometimes those decisions were wrong you know he, he was bring, bringing off players putting players on you know because of the way that the crowd reacted to try and get a response from the crowd now Rafa's never going to do that and you know for all that I would have probably brought him on on Saturday because I think it would have given everybody a lift and, and it, it did feel like probably not the right decision in the end You've just got to say that you know Benitez has, has made the right decisions, and, and it hasn't looked like the right decisions because they've lost the last two games. But you know, over the course of the season, you've got to think that Raffle will probably get those more of those decisions right than wrong. Um, the problem is that Hosselu's, you know, as willing as he is, he's probably just not good enough. But uh, to, to score the goals, they're going to keep Newcastle up. They're going to have to find goals from from elsewhere, um, and that's the problem, isn't it? It's not necessarily Mitrovic. It's, it's probably Hosselu. Um, because he doesn't quite look like which we it's going to be a test of character for him now isn't it yeah. because I think he'll he know what people have been saying about him he'll have read things in the papers over the weekend he'll know that people aren't quite impressed will it fire him up enough in in the next few games and I honestly hope he comes out and he proves everybody wrong mm. and, and he comes out and he gets the goals and that'll be the test of character for him now how does he respond from here, but you know, he's tr- I'm not having a go at him 100% because he is trying hard, he's winning headers, he's tracking back, he's doing everything that Mitrovic probably won't do, and it's, he just needs the, the goals at the other end. I know he's got a couple already, but you know, hopefully, you know, it's, it's time for the team to step forward as one now as well and, and, and make sure that Hoslu escapes any criticism by you know setting him up with some decent chances in the next game the only problem being the next game's away at Man United so hey, they did score on Saturday as well people kind of like you know the Dwight Gale goal was it was probably onside you know was they, onside, they, they did yeah. score they did, they, so they it's not like you know it's not like 
you know, they don't look like they're going to score at all. Actually, in the first half on Saturday, and we forget about it. You know, just as we forgot about the fact that Swansea, they were up against it, but won the game through a header. And Palace as well. Palace, you know, yeah. you know, the, the problem is the narrative is completely shaped by the result because that's football. But let's not forget that actually on Saturday they didn't play that they, badly. They were great in the first half. First yeah. half an hour, brilliant. Is you know if that if that goal gets allowed or one of the other chances goes in or you know lick a paint for Matt Ritchie. Um, it's a different game altogether, and then Bournemouth are right up against it. But you know they weathered the storm and they've ended up walked away with all three points, which is it's good for them. But it just makes it a long fortnight for Newcastle. And Chris, obviously, you went four four two on Saturday. You know everyone was loving that at the start. You don't think you'll go back anytime soon, though, to that formation? No, not really. I mean, possibly. I certainly don't see him playing that formation away from home. I think that the thing that would have frustrated. Benitez was that when everything in the second half when they started to go badly players didn't really seem to to know where they were meant to be There was he, he said mistakes were made and Newcastle lost their shape a lot and I think that with 4-4-2 when you're on the front foot as Newcastle were in the first half it was working very well and it was causing Bournemouth problems Bournemouth made a bit of a technical change in the second half and and suddenly Newcastle were struggling a little bit and they didn't have the usual solidity I mean there was times during the, the second half where Bournemouth was streaming through midfield and it was almost like there wasn't anyone there for Newcastle. Benitez always he, he talks about the short blanket, we've spoken about it before, that if you move it up uh, to, to, to be better in attacking then you're going to be struggling defensively and vice versa and I think that he thinks the 4-2-3-1 formation in general gives them more balance. He was obviously looking for a bit of an alternative to try and get a goal on Saturday but I'd be surprised if, if he did play it frequently going forward. It's taken him 18 months to really play it in a league game up till now and I'd seen as it didn't end up winning them the game I think that, that we won't necessarily see that much of it going forward but with Rafa Benitez you can just never tell I didn't expect him to play 4-4-2 in the first place on Saturday so I agree and obviously one man who doesn't look like he's going to get anywhere near the squad is uh, Jack Callback. I mean Rafa Lee he was quite uh, shall I say brutal on Friday with these words about Jack Callback. yeah he was Completely brutal. I think I had a few tweets asking how this was a brutal story uh, from from certain sections. I was, you know, you're not going to get any more brutal than, you know, the manager actually saying in public, no, he hasn't got a chance. These are the players in front of him, and one of the players being a centre back in Chancellor Bemba. I thought that was absolutely um, a massive statement from from Rafa. And when you think about it, you know, Jack Callback now must be. In some ways, he will be ruining it, not not going out on loan. It depends what he wants. Does he want to be someone who's just picking up the forty thousand pound a week and coming into train, and you know saying I want to play here, or do you want to play football with, with your career? It's a tough one. You know, people have got families. He, he signed a five-year contract. He'll expect Newcastle to honour that. But I think there's a lot of footballers that simply want to play first-team football, and you know you've got to miss that buzz. Surely he misses pulling the shirt on every week and running out in front of a big crowd and doing well he must miss it but you know football's a money orientated game these days and, and this is a real example of um, you know the player sticking his heels in and saying I'm, I'm going to stay here even if you play me in the reserves but, uh, it's, a it's a tough situation for him but you know I don't think the fans will have that much sympathy given you know the vast amounts of money that players pick up these days just to highlight how brutal it was a few months ago I remember asking Benitez because a few fans have been saying oh why don't you try and bend in midfield towards the end of the championship campaign he played there in the AFCON and Benitez said to me 
at that point, oh, no, Chance Mbemba's not a midfielder, he's a defender, I wouldn't consider him there. Fast forward a few months, Jack Colback's out of the picture and is now behind Chance Mbemba in, in, that, in that position, which just tells you how brutal it really was. No, definitely, and I mean, we're in the international break now, so we've got just, just another two weeks to the next game. Uh, Lee, how, what, does, what do you think Rafael Benitez will be planning to do the next, the next couple of weeks, just working with the players that are on, so obviously going away, maybe looking at working with that 4-4-2 formation? I think what, he, what he'll do now is he'll try and restore confidence in, in certain individuals and he'll go around and he'll work one-on-one with, with certain people and he'll really, you know, he'll not panic, he'll, he'll, stick, he'll stick with their, he's kind of tried and tested sort of solutions but he will go around one or two individuals and, and find out what, what's going on. I think Jacob Murphy being one of them, he's looked frightened up his life in the last yeah, couple of games when he's came on one pass at Burnley went straight under his foot and went out for a throw in and I think on Saturday he, he looked a little bit lost when he when he came on but he's a, you know he's a quality addition to the team he just needs confidence he needs games and I, I think he eventually will get them and look Rafa was making his point by bringing him on ahead of Mitrovic and I'm pretty sure that you know he's a player that he wanted and eventually he will come good it's just going to take time so it's going to be a long two weeks but I think they can definitely, uh, they can definitely get out of it. I mean, you you just wouldn't be surprised the next game with Rafa and his tactical. Now he goes to somewhere like Old Trafford and gets a nil-nil draw, and then they beat Watford in the next game, and then it's you know, crisis, what crisis? Exactly. I'm suppose Mark, that's kind of the message from Rafa, from you guys as well, and what you guys have written is that it's yes, there's issues, but don't panic. You know, we are. Newcastle are 11th in the league. It's it's not all doom and gloom. Yeah, I think um, I think it's it's, it's a strange, one, is it? Because over the weekend, I think every time they lose, um, it's a stra- it's a strange situation in Newcastle because people are happy generally with the way that things the way that things have kind of are at Newcastle. You know, in terms of Rafa being there, this takeover being on the back burner, people are happy with. You know, if if the club's moving forward, it, it feels like people are happy, but. Then after the t- last two games in particular, I think some of the social media reaction in particular has been really, uh, really hard and really quite, um, you know, it's been sort of that feeling of frustration. There's not unreasonable people on social media. <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think there's definitely a feeling of frustration, and but you have to kind of question what kind of Newcastle do you want? Because we all, like for all that we we really think that, that Rafa is fantastic and a lot of the things that he does are, are great, you know. Look, let's be honest, the identity that Rafa will have of Newcastle is they will be hard to beat as long as he's manager there. You know, If Newcastle finish 11th at the end of the season, it's going to be a, a tremendous achievement. Um, if they just stay out of the relegation battle, I think it's a tremendous achievement because the team and the squad is probably you know, one of the, one of the weaker in terms of Premier League experience and probably in terms of match winners as well that Newcastle have had in the Premier League for a while, yet they've made a better start than they have done, you know, I think, it's the third best of the last 10 that they've had in the Premier League. Um, you know, we, we've all kind of spoken about how much we like the team spirit and how much we like the togetherness at the club. Well, now's the time to get, you know, that's, that, it's not just about winning games, that is it. It's about, you know, everybody being unified and everybody kind of pushing forward. And, and that, that sounds ridiculous because, you, you know, a lot of people say, you know, a lot of people come on to me on, on Twitter and say, you admit it, admit it, there's some criticism there of Rafa. Well, nobody's saying that there's not criticism. But what's the alternative? You know, this is where Newcastle United are as a football club. We all love the fact that they bounce back straight away. They spent a lot of money last year. But to think that relegation wasn't going to have a big, deep impact on the football club is just nonsense. It's just absolute nonsense. Teams have moved ahead of them. Saturday, Bournemouth brought Jermaine Defoe off the bench. 
Jermaine Defoe, who probably cost more than anybody that Newcastle bought in the summer in terms of wages, in terms of signing on fee, in terms of all of those things, they brought him on and he made a difference because he created enough panic in that defence to, to make a difference. Bournemouth are ahead of Newcastle now. Like most of the teams in the Premier League, Burnley are ahead of Newcastle because of the players that they've got, because they've had that Premier League TV deal. And we have to kind of like, it's not nice for Newcastle fans to kind of think that, look, we're gonna, we're, we have to play that way against Burnley away, but it's just where they are at the moment. If they're still that way in five years' time, I'll understand the discontent. But this is the first year back in the Premier League. They just have to stay up. You know, it's not. It's, it's harder than it was when they came up last time. And they had a better team, I think, when they came up last time as well, because they had um, some good players in there. And, and you've just got to think like that. You've just got to take the bigger picture. You've got to take the bigger picture. And, you know, it, it, it is worrying that they, don't, that they haven't picked up a point from the last two games. But, you know, that's this season. It's, it's not going to be fun. Uh, at all times this season because it's, it's hard in the Premier League and, and, and you know, Rafa's setting them up to play a certain way which is sometimes going to be quite tough to watch as it was on Monday but you know, for the, for the greater good of staying in the Premier League and building a foundation in which hopefully there can be a takeover that takes them forward you, know, you just have to kind of look at the bigger picture and that's, that's the way it is I'm afraid and, and it's hard I know it's hard because football's meant to be an entertainment business and it is you're meant to be entertained but you know, sometimes you just have to kind of take a step back and think, you know, this is going to be a bit of a transition season because, you know, they didn't get what they needed in the in the summer. Tammy Abraham would have made a difference to this team. And I hope that the people who run Newcastle United can now see that, you know, that they needed him. Top and bottom of it. I suppose it's less than two months to the January transfer window. I mean, Lee, obviously, all the takeover talk, but that transfer window is going to come around very very quickly I mean will Rafa already have been starting to make a few plans make a few calls do you think oh absolutely I mean he's got his own scouting network out there and he's probably got about 12 players for each position already you know marked up with prices wages signed on fees agent fees he'll have all that he'll have all have it already the The difference will be is, is are we going to get to this stage now where we do get to January and we then get told there's only a little bit of money to spend, and Newcastle, you know, find themselves in a bit of a, a bit of limbo. It's that that is a bit of a fear, you know. From what we're told, the takeover is still ticking away in the background. That's going to take some time. But if it doesn't, then how much money is this current Newcastle United board going to put forward? You you think that it's probably not going to be that much because why would you? No, definitely, it is a bit of a worry isn't that, that we do get a giant the first, and then the, the funds to go out and buy a striker, which would effectively probably fire to safety, you know, just won't be there. Yeah, well, it's been the case for the last two windows that Rafa Benitez has got to to the time when the window opens, and suddenly things aren't as he, he was led to believe they were going to be. And last January, he didn't get the two players he wanted, uh, didn't get anyone in the end and he thought that, that cost Newcastle in that time where they had a bit of a wobble at the start of April because they didn't necessarily have that extra quality and that, some, that bit point of difference that they needed and then in the summer he wasn't able to bring in A, the first choice targets he wanted or at least some of them and B, he wasn't able to bring enough players in to really upgrade a bigger portion of the squad than he needed to so that is going to be the fear as long as Mike Astia is on and if he is still on by January at this stage we don't know if he's going to be but if he is then you don't know what he's going to turn around and do but the hope has got to be that Mike Ashley and the board have seen the team and seen that the limitations Rafa warned there would be if he didn't get what he wanted are there. I mean, he was left, we made this point, he was left without a left back and had to play Mbemba there for a while. 
he hasn't got a front line striker and they went down two seasons ago because they didn't score enough goals and he hasn't really got a creative number 10 so as much as people might want to call for something alternative to, to Perez the only thing Benitez felt he could do to, if he was going to take Perez out of the team was to change the formation entirely so there's three serious areas which need addressing in January and hopefully he is given the capacity to be able to do that You have to hope that Mike Ashley um, kind of understands as a businessman that the club isn't you know effectively if they go down that wipes maybe four you know the, the, the club's value is probably you can divide it by four um, it'd be 50 million 60 million pounds and he's stuck with it so they have to kind of make the decision of whether you know look do we do we invest and, and give him some money to, to keep us in the Premier League because it could be that they come to January the 1st there may be four or five points off the relegation zone which I think wouldn't be inconceivable given they're only six points off now because it's all bunched up um, and it could be three or four or five points maybe or the, you know they could even be down there you don't know but it, you know it then becomes you invest or they're in trouble and you know if he doesn't give him some money to spend and they don't stay in the Premier League then you know the whole game changes again doesn't it and Mike Ashley's stuck with Newcastle Rafa probably walks at the end of the season so it's fine margins you know and he, we've seen him in the past that he you know he put money in I mean the one thing I think the reason why he's so desperate to sell is because he he now sees the impact that relegation has um, and I think he, he desperately wants to sell at this point because the club are Premier League they're a Premier League club they don't look like they're necessarily going to be in a massive amount of trouble but he's seen before the last two times they've gone down what it took to get them back up and I don't think he wants to do that again so you know the question is in January do you do you invest and try and keep them up and give them what he actually needs because last time they did invest but they didn't buy what, he, what Steve McLaren needed which was a striker um, they brought in Sadie Dumbier and that's the question isn't it that's Mike Ashley has to make that decision um, because you know it's only now two months isn't it until January so it's, it's and other, other teams will be ready to strike mm. uh, that's the thing Newcastle haven't been ready at all in the last I mean, we're saying Rafa's ready but your board's got to be ready as well mm. and a lot of teams will have things in place and they'll be ready to push the button and on January the 1st there'll be teams that go there you go there's two or three players that's us done now for this this window Newcastle might be scrapping until the end which we we all hate deadline day <laughs> when it when it's pretty barren and that, that's what it's been like in the last I mean January last year was just a joke mm. so. so it's also the fact that you've got games in January you, 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 in the, the course of between the 1st and January 31st January you're going to play 4 or 5 times and if you don't mm-hmm. get the players in early enough yeah and last, last January, Benitez made the point as to when he wanted players in. He was like, well, Huddersfield and Brighton, they brought, also brought players in who strengthened. They realised where they needed to strengthen. They did that. They also did over the summer and early. Benitez wasn't able to do that. We all know where the problems are in the team. We all knew where the problems were in the team last year. And he knows that more better than anyone. He's put that plan forward and he hasn't been able to address it. You've got to trust your manager. And if they, mm. if they don't trust Rafa Benitez, then they're never going to trust anybody. Mm. So... That's the point. You just, you just wonder why they're here. Yeah, that's, that was the point in the summer, wasn't it? That, that they, they didn't trust his judgment. And and he basically said, look, I need this player, I need this player. And it created problems. The Mitro problem is a creation of a problem of like not bringing in a striker. I mean, Lee, I remember re- reading your piece about it at the time when you said, you know, look, if you don't bring in this player, they're going to have to keep Mitrovic, but he doesn't really want Mitrovic. So it creates a problem, doesn't it? It's like the goalkeeper situation. You've got Carl Darlow there picking up probably a decent wage, not playing. If they'd have brought in the goalkeeper that they needed to do, they could have made all the changes and they could have done, done what they did. And, and that, that's been a problem for previous managers, but those managers haven't been strong enough. They haven't kind of, backed them, have they? No, they haven't. They haven't backed so, them. Not since the last summer. 
And I mean, just play kind of devil's advocate here because there was an interview a couple of weeks ago in the Italian press with Benitez talking about his exit from Natalby and he kind of hinted that one of the reasons was that they didn't sign Reina permanently and the trust had gone. So, I mean, I think we spoke about it before that he's here for the fans, isn't he, really? But how far can that kind of trust be kind of pushed in a way, do you think, Mark? I think, I think it, you know, until the end of the season, I think he's, you know, it's interesting, isn't it, that West Ham have just sat Slavon Bilic and I think in September, after the transfer window broke, there was a lot of stories, I think, which were a little bit too excitable and I think jumped on what, you know, the, the, maybe some of the fears that Rafa was ready to leave, wanted to go, would be sourcing interest from elsewhere and would walk as soon as West Ham came in. The West Ham job's going to come and go and, and Rafa's never even been in a, in a position where he's going to take that. You know, he's not going to take the Everton job, he's going to stay. Um, but I do wonder how much he is waiting for to see what happens with the takeover and if by the end of the season it looks like there's all the interest gone and Mike Ashley's going to stay. I just can't see him staying around because he knows, you know, there's been a little tiny bit of undercurrent of frustration at the last two games so it's for, for every for all that everybody says we're behind Rafa we're 100% behind Rafa he knows that it's his neck on the on the on the line really when it comes down to it because people don't people on Saturday when they were kind of chanting for Mitro they weren't chanting we understand that you've got a problem but we want Mitro they were chanting for Mitro and, and it's Rafa who you know every manager understands that if you don't get the backing from the board you get the sympathy at first, but long term, the frustration will come with, with to, towards Rafa, and he knows that, and he's not going to stick around and wait for his legacy to be completely ruined at Newcastle United by hanging on for two more years. That's the problem that Alan Pardew had. If Alan Pardew would quit in the fifth place season when he didn't get the players he needed, he would have walked away, and everybody would have been, "What a great manager he was for Newcastle." He stuck around for another three or four years because, well, because he did, because he knew he wouldn't get a job as big as Newcastle, and ended up being exposed for kind of what he was, which was desperate for the job Rafa's not going to do that he's not because people you'll get a job in the summer you know people know what he's about you know he's a, he's a really good manager and that's the top and bottom of it they either back him and stay and decide they're going to do a proper club which they're not going to do or a takeover has to happen and then he and then he kicks on the alternative is probably you know Mike Ashley keeping the club and sort of just trying to run it on a shoestring um, which, which is what he's basically done which is what he did for the previous however many years and just reinvesting the TV money just reinvesting the TV money and hoping that somebody comes along who can give them a you know that fifth place season again but you know it's, it's a hard harder job now than it was before so we just have to hope that you know I mean I think Rafa's sticking around because he knows a little bit more than you know he, he knows you know I think he would I think he, he he's a very clever man a very clever man in terms of he's got very good links and he knows I think he he's very aware of the takeover thing has some substance that he wants to stay and see what, what can happen because he knows with a bit of money Newcastle could be pretty serious contenders mm. hopefully so on a, on a more positive note Chris the, the, some of the youngsters who are out on loan have had a good weekend you had Adam Armstrong Alex Gilead Bradford so there are some uh, positive things to come out of this weekend Ivan Tony as well yeah, and Ivan Tony of so. course yeah um, yeah, I mean they're, they're they're hopefully starting to to a few of them have had a difficult start of the season really, and they're hopefully now getting in, into gear a little bit. Um, it it it's the big misnomer Newcastle is that the really the the production line hasn't been there here from from players coming from the under twenty threes upwards, but the, the quality hasn't necessarily been there. It's something which still needs to be reformed, and which I'm sure Rafa is, is going to continue looking at going forward but these players if they are going to have any chance of ever breaking into the Newcastle United first team they need to really prove themselves out on loan Armstrong had a very good loan at Coventry didn't quite work out at Barnsley it's 
been difficult for him at, at, at Bolton so far, but scored a goal on, on Saturday and hopefully that really boosts his confidence and, and pushes him on. Ivan uh, Tony as well, I mean, he's been out a few times now. Um, the, the, just a big question mark is how many of these players are really going to make it at Newcastle United. Tony's been there a few years, but he was signed and the Summer McLaren was there. He's never really pushed for first team place and even if he scores a hatful of goals out on loan, can you see him coming back in, in in January and really being the man who's going to fire Newcastle to survival? Not really sure he is. Gilead again, has been out on loan a few times, done reasonably well, but hasn't really ever got close to Newcastle first team. Armstrong there's been big hopes for for a while, but he needs to kick on this year as well. So there is a lot of positivity there. But it's still an area of the club which needs to be looked at and the development of youngsters and, and that pathway into the first team. But you can only have a pathway into the first team if they're producing the youngsters in the first place. So it's, it's a vicious circle at the minute and it's something that needs to be addressed. Um, Chris got a point. I mean, you've covered in Castle what, nearly 15 years, maybe a bit more than that. And the players who have come through, have been, you could count them probably on yeah. one hand, maybe they've been successful. And never more than now has there been more of a sort of disconnect between the first team and the under-23s, it's like they're doing their thing and Newcastle's first team are doing something else. There's there's nobody that seems close to stepping over that line and coming in and playing regular first-team football at the minute. Dan Barlez is a good player, um, I'll, I'll give you that, but he needs to go out on loan. Jamie Sterry's a, a decent defender, needs to go out on loan. There's nobody really that's uh, close to that. And the strange thing is, you mentioned them players on loan, they're not going to come back either and step straight back to the first team so there is this this thing going on where I mean I, I, going back to some of the things you said I, I think it's just a root and branch review in Newcastle completely required at the minute they need to get the sale through and then they've got to let Rafa go through the club with a fine tooth comb and sort it out from top to bottom from the the kids the academy the reserves in the first team and it's, it's not flown the way it should do at the minute Saturday was another good example of that because you should have not only Mitrovic on the bench in Perez so there's a bit of debate you should have a youngster who actually will give the kid a chance here and he can come on because they've got it at other clubs but not at Newcastle there's not this sort of young prospect coming through on the bench that you could throw on and there's, there's, there's problems at the club at the minute you know I don't want to sound negative but there, there is things that need sorting out and it's it's not happening yeah, that's a really good point about the under 23s I mean you know all the other Premier League clubs pretty much all the good ones you know Everton uh, I mean Everton are in trouble but look at the amount of young players that they've got on the bench in oh. around it good players you know really good players and look they're second bottom but they're not going to be there for long like you know it, the fact that they've been managed badly over the, over the past however long but there's every team seems to have like good young players coming through they picked the, the England under twenty England's youth group teams were picked last week, and there wasn't there was one Newcastle player throughout every England squad, and that was Freddie Woodman. Not one at under seventeens, under eighteens, under nineteens, under twenties. We're talking about a golden generation of, Newca- of of English footballers, and not one of them, not one of well, them. Well, the one they did have has been effectively driven away, which yeah. is Liam Gibson. Yeah. So there's a lot more to, to that story that we'd like to hear we'd love to ask Liam Gibson why did you leave Newcastle United and I tell you the answers would probably be quite staggering so that that's something you've got to look at mm-hmm. and you know Adam Armstrong what, what, what's going on there one minute he was a hot prospect the next minute he's playing left wing for Bolton Wanderers it's 
what's going on we've seen for you know, Adam Carmel was another name who was meant to be yeah. a big star and he ended up down I think Notts County and you know further field so seen it for ages haven't we Gail Bigger Romano was came into Newcastle United as, a, as a, one of their best prospects and stuff and you know look the, the lads have to take some of the responsibility because he's now playing uh, Coventry isn't he or is it the back, he's up to half, no, half he's, he's isn't a, he or Motherwell he's a, a Motherwell, Motherwell. He's, he's, yeah he's back in back in Scotland look you know Harris Mukic you know these guys didn't, didn't manage to you know didn't manage to kick on but Rolando Ahrens was in the England under 21s not that long ago um, Armstrong was in the under 19 group with Freddie Woodman that won the European Championships so, you know there's there were problems there you had Mackenzie Heaney was uh, like a lot of these a lot of these lads have been in and around uh, the, the, they've gone backwards teams. I think that's yeah. I, I watched the, the most concert and I know they got they got beat 6-2 off Southampton the other week they got beat 6-0 off Aston Villa on Monday I'm not that worried about them. The big result that worried me was they played Blackburn at home Friday night. They got beat 2-0. They got outfought by a League One's mm. second string and they didn't know how to deal with the way... Basically, it looked to me like Blackburn are training their players to win matches with a bit of guile. Newcastle are trying to develop players technically and it's just not working. So, it's what do you do? Do you, have, do you develop them technically? So then when they go out on loan, they come back when they're ready or... Do you teach them how to win games by whatever means necessary? Personally, I think it's the it's the latter. Of course, you'll be covering the R23s tomorrow at the Checker Trade, so you can find all that on chroniclelive.co.uk, uh, bringing you live coverage of that. And just finally, I think we have to mention the fact that David Moyes looks like he is somehow going to get a job back in the Premier League, despite, I believe, winning only 10 in these last something like 56, 58 Premier League games. Chris, I mean, that's just... It's bizarre, isn't it? Well, it's ludicrous, and it almost sounds like I'm not close to the situation at all. But it sounds like, from what everyone's saying, it's almost like jobs for the boys. You know, someone who's at West Ham pretty well. It seems he's he's out of he's out of work. They they want to get rid of Billet, so they're going to bring him in. But the the interim manager, as it sounds like he's going to be, is some new coined term which seems to have come out in the last few years, which uh, seems to be I don't know. It's not it's not quite a tech caretaker, but it's it's more than that. Sorry, but it's not quite a permanent manager. It's almost it's just a bizarre thing and. I mean, Moyce would have to come in and really do well to, to, to keep that job permanent because it doesn't seem like the West Ham fans particularly want them. But it's 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 the gung ho nature of the Premier League. We you feel because there's so much pressure to stay in it in the in the top flight. A lot of uh, owners and and boards feel that they've got to they've got to make a change when things are going wrong, and sometimes that is necessary. But there's no there's no backup plan there. They've liked Benitez for years, but Benitez is not going to go there. There's been talk of so many other managers going there that they're not going to be. So they've gone for David Moyes, who's failed in each of his last three jobs. Spectacularly so at Sunderland. And for all the problems that were at Sunderland, he never once got to grips with that job. And he almost he almost was treated with contempt. He seemed like it was below him. And it, 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 I just don't see how and why he's managed to get the job, other than the fact that he's, he's, he's cheap and nobody else wants it so it's it, it it's ludicrous I really I really was shocked to read well, he was linked to the Everton job a few weeks ago it sounded like they were sounding him out I was shocked with that but for West Ham to have gone from as well when it's meant to be this brave new era of the owners at the Olympic Stadium spending loads of money I just I, honestly I'm shocked and briefly Lee just on, on Everton it looks like Sam Aldite is going to get the job there um, I mean Probably mm-hmm. the last time he had money. Well, yeah, he has spent quite a lot of money, hasn't he, in his previous job? Spent a lot but, of Sunderland. Yeah, in January. Um, but I suppose spending all that, all the money Everton spent in the summer, and then to be handed Sam Allardyce, that might not be the manager that the fans. Uh, I know a lot of Everton fans. I don't know how well that'll go. If he'll keep them up, we know that that's exactly what he does. I mean, that might come to an end eventually. But I personally think 
he'll keep them up but Reed Evans is a massive club in my eyes great tradition you know they've got obviously they're in the shadow of Liverpool but you know they've got potential you know if they, if they can get the new stadium sorted uh, they've been talking about that for many years but imagine they got an 80,000 stadium that they're up there in challenge they're a name Sam Aldice is he going to is he going to win you the league don't think so and Mark I know you were quite uh, judgmental shall we say of Everton signs in the summer uh, I mean it's a, it's, a, it's a bit of another strange one isn't it Sam Aldice yeah I know I just think they um, I just think they, they they sold Romelu Lukaku and didn't replace him and that was that was the top and bottom of it and yeah I mean I, I think the Moyes thing it's you know to, to gamble for West Ham isn't it but Allardyce Allardyce is probably a good appointment for Everton where they are now but you know he, he doesn't tend to leave clubs in a better shape than when he found them you know he's not a guy who transforms a club for the better for the long term he, he gets it in how he wants it to be and then you know he, he does sometimes leave clubs for a better job or for you know because he you know because he doesn't get what, exactly what he needs and it means his CV looks really good and he keeps getting very very well paid jobs but um, you know you have to consider the long term ramifications of what he does fair enough you know he's, he's a he's a kind of quite arrogant man isn't he he's a very arrogant man you know and, and it works for him it works for him I, but wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be saying that with his face oh, <laughs> well you know he, he is, I mean, he's, he's an arrogant I think he'd say himself he's, he's got you know confidence what, I, the way he looks the way the way he conducts himself, he's, he gives that off that air, and, and he's I, I, it I don't get it when I'm faced when he was at Newcastle. I thought he was brilliant behind the yeah. scenes. Is it to deal with with the press and all his ideas and all his philosophy and all his stories and all that to deal with them face? Yeah, that's a sudden that. You know, he he was spot on, and he's you know he's a decent sort of human being, but it has this persona when he gets in front of a TV camera and I think a lot of them do yeah Tony Pula's been another one yeah you put them in front of a TV camera and they just change completely mm. and I think Sam Alice was that yeah. I still wouldn't say that to him <laughs> even if it was 15 yards 20 yards away it's funny though isn't it like we over the weekend Swansea fans on Paul Clement's back um, West Ham fans on Billich's back Pulis now getting a lot of stick from West Brom fans oh, the Premier League now there's probably three or four clubs at the top that are, that are going to get what they need to get and they're going to but the rest of the division is just everybody's angry everybody's impatient because that's the way the league has developed now it's a very short termist thing but everybody is now like there are no it's not a league now that, that because of the kind of coverage of it and because of the way that it is it's a league that kind of ferments this you know unhappiness and frustration now and, and I think social media's played a part yeah. in that as well you yeah. know I think it has it's this people want everything like on a plate straight away and if you don't get it then they kick off I mean Newcastle fans have actually got every right to kick off about a lot of things because they've waited so long for that little bit of success and we're not special compared to other clubs but I think you know West Brom I mean what what is going on there it's absolutely <laughs> Sensational that they're kicking off about Pulis. It's crazy, doing. isn't it? It's crazy. But uh, like, what happens is that a team gets promoted. So we've got Brighton and Huddersfield and Newcastle as well. But Brighton and Huddersfield are a sensational start to the season. But if Huddersfield stay in the Premier League and you know, and they and they're here for five, ten years, it's all very well. All their fans, you know, getting all excited. It's a little, you know, having a little party about every game. We can't believe we're in the Premier League. That'll be the same next year, and then maybe the third year they'll sort of feel, oh great, I can't believe we've stayed in the Premier League. But then you get to the fourth, fifth, sixth year in the Premier League, and it's like 
oh well just staying in the league's not enough now and like Stoke found that you Chong, know Chong and Kerbishley it happens they got frustrated yeah. and they, they'd snap the hand off to, to get back to where they were so. it, it, re- it really does you know I mean my, I've got a mate who's a Leeds fan and he said you know I've kind of in my adult life Leeds have spent almost as much time outside the Premier League as they have in it it's a, football's a, football's become much much harder you know it, because you can't stand still you've got to keep pushing forward you know Stoke I, I remember covering Wolves when Stoke were in the second division battling to stay in the second division as it was then or the uh, championship or I think it was I can't remember it was division one as it was now they're an established Premier League team but the fans get edgy about the fact that they're not they don't kick on the 11th every year Southampton you know the it's really difficult. It's really difficult for any manager now to come in because I tell you, like Brighton and Huddersfield are enjoying themselves at the moment, but you know you have to kind of keep kicking on. And those teams are not probably Premier League teams. They're not going to be 20, 30 year Premier League teams because they just they just can't be because they haven't got a big enough outlook. You know, you can overperform for a few years, but it's hard to do it year on year on year and, and fans don't really appreciate just staying in the Premier League every year and I guess finally Chris that kind of goes back to what Rafa was saying this weekend kind of you know let's put it in perspective you know where you know where Newcastle was where we are you know he's, he wants that kind of bit of realism on the ground yeah and what we said at the start of the season or certainly once the transfer window closed was that this team is largely the team that, that won the championship last year it's not a proven Premier League team by any stretch of the imagination hopefully they're a very young team as well which is a point that that the players have been making and the manager has been making and rightly so and hopefully they're going to develop and, and get better together but for now they have to re-establish themselves as a Premier League team they've only been a Premier League team again for a few months they're 11 games of the season they're 11th in the table I think that's a, a decent return yes the gloss goes off because a few weeks ago they were, they were 6th or 7th and, they, and they've lost and they've only won one of the last 6 but the fact of the matter is that, 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 that it is a largely championship squad who need to prove themselves in the Premier League and hopefully they're going to do that over time and keep getting better but I think they need some help along the way and Rafa needs some help along the way in January and hopefully he gets that and as long as Rafa Benitez is in charge and he's given even the smallest bit of backing in January I have no fears about Newcastle United being relegated which in itself should be a positive given that it's their first season back in the Premier League Fantastic well there you have it ladies and gents uh, you just head over to chroniclelive.co.uk obviously as previously mentioned, Lee will be covering the check of trade tomorrow, which is Tuesday, uh, and we'll be bringing you all the latest Newcastle United news, including hopefully some update on Jamal Lascelles and Christian Atu uh, later in the week. And also listen out for a very special podcast with John Gibson later this week. Um, we'll not reveal too much about this now, but if you keep an eye out on our website and social media channels, you'll find out all about it when it is launched. Thank you very much.